0: Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. But today I'm going to talk about responding to God. And that's really part of the mission statement of this church, you know, and really I think every church really, but it's actually in the mission statement. We have three words, you know, if you're newer here, maybe you've not heard this before, never heard it. Expounded upon, but we want to encounter Jesus, we want to dwell in love, and we want to echo hope. Those are that's an all encompassing relationship with God. To just encounter Jesus is wonderful, but it has to produce something else after it, and that is to dwell in love, and that is to dwell in love with God and with people all people, not just Christians, all people to dwell in love to live life with each other, to go through hardship with each other, to walk through it with grace. But then after that, the hope that we receive from Jesus is to be reflected off of us into the world around us. And so that's the response. You know, we talk about these crosses on the sides of the room, and we've got words up during worship. We're big into we want to respond in worship to who God is, to what he's done. I mean, do we fathom, can we fully understand what God has done for us? I don't think I can fully comprehend how valuable the gift of Jesus is. It's so much greater than any gift I could receive in this life. You know, Eileen gave her, uh, her uh, win this morning in our huddle for all the volunteers, and she was talking about leading someone to Jesus that's outside the church. And she said, I don't have any, you know, a lot of money to give, you know, because they were in need of money. But I do have Jesus. And I think we can sometimes downplay that. You know, well, uh, it's, it's just an encouraging word. No, it's salvation. It's so much greater than just an encouraging word. Jesus was so much greater than just a nice guy. He was the son of God. He came to prove the divinity of God on earth, the power and the love that he has for his people. That's what he came to do. And he successfully did it. He didn't just came to try. He came and did. And he successfully made a way for us to God. And then he said, get as many people as you can, because I want them all to come into my kingdom. And so we want to echo that hope. And so today... We're talking about responding. You know, responding is something that just exists, whether um, reacting, you know, cause and effect, sowing and reaping. There's laws in place that God outlines in the word, but also that science reflects upon and says, this is just how it works. You do something and there is an effect. It has an effect, a ripple effect, maybe in the water. You throw a stone in the water, it ripples. That just has to happen. In the same way God defines sowing and reaping, that when you plant seeds of love, hope, all those things of who He is, that He will grow those things. But when you plant seeds of hatred, you're gonna grow a tree of hatred. That's just how it works. You can't plant hate and hope that love comes out on the other side. You can't plant judgment and hope that you don't bear fruit of judgment. That's just how it works. And so I think you all know just how valuable responses are, especially if you're married, how valuable responding in the right way is. I'm not very good at this, guys. Don't, don't take notes from me, but I'm just going to outline that it's really important that you respond the right way to your spouse. I, so my job, my like full-time job, my title is Solutions architect. All that means is I solve problems. Women don't love that. You know, every time she wants to talk to me about something, I mean, this is just how my brain is pre-wired, is to solve problems. It's my thing. But you're just supposed to listen sometimes, and that's really difficult, you know, for me to do. And to respond, my response sometimes should just be I'm so sorry, and sit with her in that thing. It's not always supposed to be, well, I've got a plan. <laughs> Steps one, two, and three are going to get us from where you're at to where we're going to go. You know, But that's just how my brain is pre-wired to work. But that's not good. Don't do that. Sometimes you just need to listen. And so responding, it's very important. We respond in everyday life. I respond to emails. We respond to people who talk to us. Responding is just something that we do all the time. Now, some people respond to some things differently. British humor, for example. Any British humor fans in here? See, not that many. We're the minority. I like British comedians. I love Monty Python. I love anything British. It's very dry. Love it. Not everybody responds to that well. Sushi, any sushi fans? Okay, more than I thought. A lot of people just raw fish. Like, what are we talking about? Like, I, I'm not going to eat that. And then on the other flip side of that, sometimes hard things, you walk through those differently than other people. You know, my grandmother passed away recently, and my wife and I respond to that differently. My siblings and I respond to that differently. The way that we walk through pain looks different. And sometimes that has to do with just our personality, something that was ingrained in us from our parents, sometimes it has to do with history, our history. You know, some people actually have a bad response when you say church. That makes me really sad that some people's response to church is negative because they had a negative experience in church, or they had a negative experience in their upbringing. Maybe, you know, they're Their parents, you know, were very religious, and it was all rules, and it was all this, and right and wrong and black and white, which you need rules and structure. But sometimes that turns people off to a relationship with God when they think that relationship is just rules and regulations. But that's not what a relationship with God is like. I have a negative response to all flying insects. (laughs) I act erratic as soon as I hear it by me at all. And that's because I have a history with flying insects, you know. My dad taught me to mow the lawn. I'm out there doing my teenage duty, and I run over a yellow jacket's nest, you know, the ones underground. And I didn't even know what was happening, you know. But, like, the first one got me right in the Achilles tendon, you know, on the back of the foot. And, and I think he was trying to cripple me so I couldn't get away faster, you know? I'm just kind of, I went from a run to a hobble, you know? And they were like, okay, get him, you know? I had like 28 stings, very painful, and so now you don't want to mow the lawn, you know? You're just, I I think I left that part of the grass, it got pretty tall in that section, you know, um, over some time, but because of that history, I have a negative response to flying insects, or being harassed by horseflies. Since when do horseflies just hang around pools? You know what I mean? Like, do, were you ever hanging out in a pool and the horsefly, I mean, you'd go underwater to avoid it. And then as soon as you come up, it's on your head. It's like, how is he doing this? You know? Much smarter than we think they are. So I have an aversion to flying bugs. I also have an aversion to feeling anything tickle me while I'm up here playing worship, which I'll explain. There was one time, I'm doing worship up here, and I'm just singing songs, you know, doing the thing. And I feel like like a breeze, you know, something on the back of my neck. And I was like, well, I guess that's normal, you know, like there's air moving in here. Well, then I felt like on my shoulder. And then I felt it on my arm. And I'm about three songs in. So we're like 15 minutes, you know, like into me feeling this random all over my body. Not just like some spots. I felt it everywhere. And I don't think it was just like my head. I wasn't just thinking this. So then during song three, I'm standing here and I look down and there was a wolf spider hanging from my finger, a web. As I'm playing, I'm picking. I'm just like playing guitar, moving. And he's just like, You know? And I was like, what is happening right now? And so I flung it on the ground and I stepped on it. And I don't think anybody noticed, I don't think. So I have an aversion to feeling anything up here, you know? And then there was actually a spider when we had that piano casing up here. There was one, (laughs) several of the piano players, we couldn't find it. But they were like, sorry, I stopped playing during that song. There was a spider running across the keyboard, you know? Anyways, so I think the whole team's gonna have some kind of phobia of spiders, you know, just from the stage. Anyway, so our response to things can be different, you know, like somebody else feels a tickle, they just be like, "Oh, it's no big deal," but for me, I'm like, "No, something's really wrong here," you know. I need to fix this problem, and so our history can change our response to things. And so we're going to read a couple of Psalms today. You know, Psalms in general, a lot of them, many of them feel like a response to God. Many times a response to his majesty, a response to his goodness, a response to his faithfulness. Many Psalms outline that kind of language. And one of those is Psalm 100. It says, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Now, we could say that these are just words, you know, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like there's a deep understanding and relationship of the goodness of God that's being spoken through this psalm. I mean, do you just go around saying that God is faithful to every generation without having experienced that he's been faithful to every generation? That's something that you experience in God, and then you talk about it. The things that we experience, we tend to want to go talk about. Like I just told you those two stories. Those are like my go-to party stories, you know, like conversation conversations. Star- Not really, I'm just kidding. Um, but like the things we go through, we tend to talk about. And so in this, in this psalm, somebody has gone through something. For them to say that the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, they must have felt and experienced that. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. They must have seen that, which means they also must have been looking for it. You know, we miss tons of things we're not looking for. You ever notice that with a car? Like, you're like, I've never seen that car before. And then all of a sudden, after that moment, you're like, everybody has that car. That happened in like high school. I saw this guy, I was like, it's like, I'm a junior. And he's a senior. He's gone to school there for four years. And I was like, I've never seen that like guy before. I think he's new. It's like, and then I saw him everywhere. You know, he's like in. He's like he's in my. He's in this class with me. Like I've never even seen this person, but all of a sudden you, you weren't looking for it before, but now you are. So in order to observe these things about God, we must have been trying to find them in Him. Which means we must have been seeking after Him. We must have been trying in some capacity to grow closer to him. You know, the way, the way I think about my relationship with God is like a well. And I, this is just my personal thing, but I try to think of how deep is the well? How much water can I put in the well? And if I can't, if the well's not very deep, it's pretty shallow, then when I go through things in life, I don't have that much water to draw from. I don't have much of his presence and his goodness and his unfailing love to draw from as I might need to get through something and to walk through it with the grace of God. But then, you know, something, a dynamic of making my daughter's breakfast. So oatmeal. Oatmeal is difficult for me because you want to put the right amount of liquid that when you're done cooking it, it's like the right consistency because it absorbs all the water. And so this is just my thing you know and how i think about this but when the temperature rises and you're cooking the oatmeal it evaporates some of the water and also the oatmeal absorbs you know the water or the milk whatever you put in it and the way i think about that is if i don't have enough water in my well and the heat rises in life how quickly is that water going to evaporate am i going to have enough left over to be able to continue to walk in the presence of God. So I have to be digging the well. What does that mean? I have to dig the well deeper. I have to be able to put more of him in it. So not only I have to be digging the well, but I have to be seeking him and letting him fill the well up. And what does that look like practically? Like we could say that that's very abstract. You know what does it mean to dig the well? Well, you know, one thing Pastor Josh talked about a long time ago, and it's stuck with me ever since, was he was talking about when you invite somebody over to your house and you kind of clean up, you know, you make sure everything's nice for your guests. And he was talking about you kind of clean where the guests are going to be. You know, many times you don't clean the whole house. You know, it's like they're going to be in these rooms, so I'm going to clean these. And you don't bother with the basement or the, the bedrooms, you know, you just kind of bother with the, the main living area. Well then something happens inevitably and they have to go to that room for something, you know, and then you're embarrassed and whatever. And in God, many times we're inviting God into our hearts, but we've not invited him into every room. We've left some rooms messy. We we haven't even tended to the attic, you know, or the garage. I mean, have you seen most garages? I mean, it's just like the catch-all of things, you know. We haven't tended to those rooms because we didn't invite him into those rooms. And so what does it mean to dig the well? It is to get more rooms prepared for him to come take over them. When you invite God into a room, he doesn't just like, hopefully he's not just like hanging out and then leaving afterwards. He's come to dwell there. He's come to dwell in your heart, to live there full time. Which means he probably needs access to every room in the house and to experience the fullness that this person is talking about his unfailing love continues forever his faithfulness continues to each generation to experience this kind of measure of god i've got to give him access to my whole self not just part of it and that's digging the well giving him access into parts of my life that I wanted to hide from him or that I was embarrassed of or that I just didn't want to give up. For whatever reason, I give him access to that. That's digging the well. And then inviting him into those things to change them, to make them better, to make them what he designed them to be. All of a sudden, he's filling those rooms. He's filling the well. And so... I, I want I want my Christianity to be more than just something on the surface, something that's almost fake. I want it to be something real, something with a lot of depth. And I heard a, a missionary pastor um, share this, which I, I tell people this thing because it amazes me. I don't think I've said it up here before, so forgive me if I have. But when when a missionary pastor was on like a little break he comes over to the states this is a true story and he uh he shared this at a at a uh, like a chapel i was at and he said that uh he him and his wife went to napa valley up in california and they went to wine country and they went on some tours and there was a drought during this time and so he is on tour the tour guide, you know, is showing them around. And so he asked the guy, he said, has it been difficult this year with the drought? You know, just not enough water. And you know, I see the grapes are just like tiny, very shriveled and tiny looking. And he said, oh no, 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 we, with wine, love drought. And he was like, well, please explain this to me. You know, how, how does that work? And so he explained that, well, you know, table grapes like ones you get at the store they're big plump juicy really sweet he said those are grown in regions where there's a lot of water ton of moisture and the plants that are growing the grapes they don't have to go very deep to find water they find it right on the surface and so those plants really aren't very strong you know but they grow really big and really vibrant and the grapes they're very tasty he said but they pretty much just taste sugary and sweet that's the depth of their taste he said, but, here, like in Napa Valley, he said, here we have a lot of volcano ash on the ground, so it's already hard ground. The ground is already dry. He said, and you go through a drought. What that makes the plant do is the plant now has to dig deeper, its roots have to dig deeper into the soil to find water. So it has to dig pretty far. He said, now, an." Every layer of soil that it goes through, it starts to take on the taste of that layer of earth. He said, and that's why you find that complexity. People will say, well, I find, you know, I don't even know all the notes, you know, that they say in wine, you know, all these fancy words. You know, it tastes like chocolate, and it tastes like these different things. And some people are like, it doesn't taste anything like any of those things. Um, But the complexity of wine is because of how dry the ground is and therefore how deep it had to go to find the water. And so he was equating this to our relationship with God. He was equating it to America and China actually. He was saying, you know, faith in America is so easy, it's so convenient. You don't have to go very far to find a church. You don't have to go very far far to find worship music. You don't have to go uh, far to find a Bible. He said, and so it becomes so easy and convenient that your Christianity also starts to look that way too. That Christianity is easy and convenient. We aren't persecuted for for believing in Jesus. We aren't persecuted for singing, for talking about Jesus in most places. We can do those things. It's easy and convenient. I can get on Instagram and instantly find 70 sermons By people that live all over the world, it's so easy to find teaching. He said, but in China, it's not so easy. They get persecuted for loving Jesus. It's not that easy to find a Bible. It's not that easy to find somebody to worship with. It's not that easy to find other Christians to do life with. So he said the depth of their relationship with God has so many more tastes and notes to it. It has so much more depth because a Christian in America is like a big table grape, really sweet, really big, really pretty looking, but it doesn't have a lot of depth or flavor. And so when I'm talking about digging the well, I'm talking about digging in to who God is, digging in to all that he wants for me. Not just taking the surface things. And being, I just want to be encouraged. I just want some hope. I just want to feel accepted. Those are all great things. But at the end of the day, if my relationship with God doesn't go deeper than the surface, I'm going to fizzle out. The water is going to evaporate. As soon as the heat rises, I'm going to run out of him. And so another psalm that I want to go over is Psalm 91. And in this, this psalm is, you know, less just praising God as the one that we just talked about. This one is talking about going through hardship and leaning upon God. So Psalms 91, 1 through 2 says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. First of all, I mean this language. I declare about the Lord that he alone, alone is my refuge, my place of safety. I mean, I don't feel like I can say that. I don't feel like I can honestly say that. I want to say that. I want to feel that way. But, gosh, I'm leaning on so many other things. What am I leaning on for my security? You know, like I have security cameras at my house. Not to say you shouldn't have security cameras. That's not what I'm saying. But do I, I think that my security comes from the fact that I can see things anytime I want them, or because God is my shelter, that I'm resting in the shadow of the Almighty? What do I rely upon for my happiness? Do I think that that comes from my hobbies and my interests and television and different things like that? Or do I rest in the fact that he's all I need to be happy? What do I trust in for my livelihood? Because I know I, every two weeks you get that paycheck. It feels like I rely on that and not the fact that I'm he alone is my refuge my place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him. I think we have to ask ourselves these questions. Like when I read these Psalms, I'm finding such a deep and rich relationship with God. Such, so far beyond where I feel like I'm at. But I want to get there. So this Psalm goes on in verse 9. So Psalm 91, verse 9. This is kind of like a promise of them telling us. And, and again, this has to come from experience. This has to come from someone's experiencing this in God. And now they're telling us in verse nine, it says, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras, and you will crush fierce lions and and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. And I I will, will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. That line amazes me not only rescue me, but honor me. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. What an amazing few sentences from God. I will be there in times of trouble. I will reward them. I will honor them. I just, can I wrap my head around the fact that God wants to honor me? How Amazing is that. What kind of love is that? Because I know that the love I see on earth is very conditional. It's very much based on give and take. You do this, and I reciprocate. But the love of God is, come to me, call upon my name. I've done nothing for him at this moment in time, except called his name. And it says, and I will come and protect you. Not only will I protect you, I will honor you. And I will reward you. Reward me for what? I didn't do anything except called on his name. What grace is this? This has to come from experience. But many times we can look at experience and the experience that we have in the world, in our physical life, will outweigh for us the spiritual reality. And what I mean by that is back in verse 7, it says, uh, Psalm 91, verse 7, it says, Though a thousand fall at my side, though ten thousand are dying around me, these evils will not touch you. So this is interesting, because envision the fact that you're standing here, and a thousand, I mean, th- this, is, this is a strong statement. A thousand have died at your right hand, and a ten thousand 10, died have died. But God is going to preserve you and hold you. Now, most of us would look at our surroundings. We'd look at the report from the doctor. We'd look at the stock market. We'd look at all these things. And all of a sudden, we would start to think, oh, well, I'm going to be susceptible to the world falling around me. But that's not the report that I'm getting here. It's that though 10,000, though it seems like everyone is dying around me, the Lord is going to take care of me. What kind of faith is that? It doesn't look at the surroundings. It doesn't look at my history. It doesn't look at what has happened to me in the past and then say that's going to happen to me again. It's saying I'm going to trust and rely on God through it all. So how do we respond to God? I think is the question today that I'm presenting. How do we respond to life? When something happens in life, who are we running to? When something happens, I talked about this last time I spoke, um, but when something's going on in my life, is the first person that I check with Google? Or is it God? You know, we're talking about God, the, the maker of the universe the one that designed everything, and I won't go through my whole spiel I went through last time I taught, but everything from how breath works in your body to how blood flows through your body, every single aspect of the universe, how stars hang out in space millions of miles away. I don't understand any of these things. Scientists don't even understand any of these things. They're trying to figure it out, but we'll never really understand just how great and vast his knowledge is. Until we run to him. And all of a sudden, we will know just how vast and great it is. Because I'm going to have an experience like this person is talking about in Psalms. And now, that experience is going to perpetuate through my life. Because as soon as it happens, as soon as God is the source... Of my strength and my trust and my hope and all of those things as soon as he is the source of those things i've given him that position in my life all of a sudden i'm going to see that play out generation after generation i'm going to see it play out day after day after day and all of a sudden that's going to become my history and that's going to become what i talk about it's not going to be i'm just going through this thing again and it's going to go downhill like it did last time no Because last time I ran to Jesus, and Jesus became my hope and my salvation and my love and everything, and now I'm going to keep doing that. Because he proved himself once, he's going to prove himself again. We sing that song, we sang it last week, He Won't, He Won't Fail Me Yet. That's not just a song, that's a declaration. It's a declaration of faith that that's who we believe that he is. And as soon as we fully step into that, I know that we're going to experience it. And when we experience it, it becomes our story. So I wanted to do something a little different this morning. Um, So we're talking about Psalms and you guys are just along for the ride. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, But we've been talking about Psalms and um, I've been writing music since I was like 16. I started writing poetry, I started writing songs and I've, it's my favorite hobby. And if you ask my wife, I have a lot of hobbies. I have a lot of things that are really fun and interesting to me, from sports to music to uh, lots of things. But writing music is my favorite. Writing lyrics that I think um, are, are just like a psalm. That's what a psalm is. A psalm is a sacred song or hymn. And they are the person's response to sometimes their wisdom, Sometimes they're a response to his greatness and his majesty, his grace. And so I'm going to share a couple songs that I wrote with you this morning. And I hope that you can hear my heart in them, you know, is, because what you're going to hear is my relationship with God. So if, if Terry and Ben can come up, we're going to play two of these songs. Um, the first song that we're going to play is called "Never Ending Love. And... Um Just to preface the song, I mean, I can't stop talking about the grace of the love of God. How can you? When you've experienced the love of God, how can you move past it? People try to have like theological conversations with me, and I just always come back to the same stuff. How can I move past? how he loves me. So that's what this song's about. So uh, the lyrics are gonna be up on the screen and uh, you don't need to feel pressure to sing along or clap or stomp and whatever, you know. But I do hope that, this thing's messing with me. Um, I do hope that these songs speak to you. Uh, They're my heart, they're my psalms as we go through psalms in the bible you know people are writing psalms every day people are writing spiritual songs about their relationship with god their response to his goodness so here we go sorry about all that to be able to hear things. (laughs) I never end. Thanks. Um, This next song is called When the Chasm Meets the Cross. And we can feel so far from God sometimes. We feel like, where is He at? Or maybe my sin is so great. I'm so far from grace. Like, is there enough grace to even cover the things that I've done, you know, the thoughts that I think, the different things? And so, I felt like God, you know, I feel like this is I feel like it's a cheesy line, you know, like something you totally find on a Christian sign at Hobby Lobby. I'm not saying they're all cheesy, but um, the chasm meets the cross. But I just felt like that chasm can feel so great sometimes. And I felt like God was like, but my cross, it's the bridge. It's the bridge to me. And I, I did that so that you could cross that chasm, you know, into my salvation. So, that's the song. feels like I'm a thousand miles from grace. It feels like I will never measure up. And then I heard the name above all Jesus Christ, heaven's Son, the old man's dead, the new man's risen, my fear and doubts are in the grave, my eyes are fixed upon my Savior. jesus christ the god who saves jesus christ the only one I sing in majesty to Jesus the King above all. old man's dead, the new man's risen, my fear and doubts are in the grave, my eyes are fixed upon my Savior, and Jesus Christ, the God who saves. Jesus Christ the only way. To Jesus, the King above all kings. So when the chasm meets the cross, I gain all that I had lost. Sins forgiven, sight restored. When my sorrow meets the Savior, I forget about my failure. I meet my life. When the chasm meets the cross, I gain all that I have lost. Sins forgive sight restore, and when my sorrow meets the Savior, I forget about my failures. I'm in the arms of Jesus, my life made. Oh, who saved and set me free. All blessing and majesty to Jesus the King above all kings. All honor and all glory to the one who does the it- So how are we responding to God? Those songs are my response to God. And I want, you know, we can sing these songs and we can live in this place, this house of worship. And, but when we walk out those doors, are are we gonna continue to respond, respond like that? That He's everything. It's everything we need that he has made a way for us. So, let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, Father God, so much. God, for your love, your grace, your mercy, everything that you've supplied for us today. We just rest in who you are. Father, I pray that each person here, including myself, God, that we've grown closer to you in this time. then we're going to walk out these doors with our cups filled, our wells filled with the presence of God, that we can come and we can bring you to the broken world, the world that's falling apart, God, but you know how to put it back together. We thank you, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.